0: All right, here we go. Well, hello and welcome back to Oh Deary Doing Me. I'm Caroline Deary, and today, you know, we brought him back. We brought back the man that does it all. He cooks, he cleans, he listens to me whine and complain, he gives me hugs, and sometimes he gardens with his mom. That's a lot of things. <laughs> I don't know. You're pretty great, Cam. So we thought we'd bring you back on the show.
1: Back to back. I'm here on a somber note. <laughs> the
0: whole team agreed that you were a great person to talk to today. Because...
1: The whole team.
0: Me, myself, and I. Because, well, Cam and I, you know, we're dating and... You <laughs> flash. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot this week about... The hate crimes that have gone on against Asian American Pacific, Island- and Pacific Islanders, you know, AAPI, that's what that stands for, in case you didn't know. Well, I had to do my research, and, um, you know, we've just, it's been on our hearts this week, and I wanted to give ch- Chance, I wanted to give Chance the Rubber, I wanted to give Cam the chance to, I don't know, use this platform to share his experience and you know he wanted to make sure that it was clear he wasn't speaking for Asians all over the place. It was just to share his, your, can, okay, yeah, just, your, um, your experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to speak about my personal experience as a Chinese man uh, that grew up in Southern California
0: mm-hmm and yeah this is kind of one of the definitely like the heaviest topics we've taken on on this show we usually keep it goofy and light but you know sometimes you get a little educational you and one of my hopes in creating this podcast was to give people of all different walks of life the chance to speak all right Kim. so tell the world the listeners about your experience as an Asian American man in America and how that felt growing up. Describe like the environment.
1: Yeah, I was born in Seattle, Washington and uh, my parents moved down to Santa Monica, California when I was about one years old. And my entire life I've been surrounded by white people, white culture. Um, I went to private schools growing up and throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, it was predominantly uh, white, um, a little bit of Asian um, and I would say very little black and Latino. Um, So, you know, I took a lot of I took a lot of white culture and absorbed it and wanted to be white.
0: Not a lot of diversity?
1: No, no. And um, I remember around like third or fourth grade, we would play this game um, talking about like, oh, if you had three wishes, what would what would they be and my first one was always to be white so Mm. that I could fit in with my friends and not feel different. Wait, how old? Like third or fourth grade.
0: Oh my god, that's so sad.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you grow up in a white community and um, you just hear stereotypes about how You know, people from your race have small eyes, eat weird food, have different color skin. Um, And it it definitely definitely gets to you. Um, Even when people are trying to be funny and joke around about that sort of stuff. um, Jokes about things that people can't control, uh, really hurt to hear.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you deal with the jokes?
1: I oh, I have a really hot temper. Um, I know that. But honestly, I didn't really get mad. I kind of it definitely hurt, and I tried to hide it. But I would go along with the jokes, and then... Eventually learned that if I said the jokes first and made degrading jokes about myself and my race, then it took away the opportunity for other people to make those hurtful jokes that would hurt me more to hear Just than to like say. Beat
0: them to the punch.
1: Yeah, and take the punchline out of it.
0: And make sure that they were laughing with you instead of at you. Yeah. Even though they still were laughing at you.
1: Yeah. And yeah. It
0: was probably a lot of like internalized. What is it? What do they call it? Like internalized racism, when you're like making jokes against yourself.
1: I guess I, a lot of it came out of a place of shame, um, and I think there's a lot that goes into that being Asian in America, not only. And I I can't even speak for Asian women who are fetishized by the media and made to look submissive and weak. Um, I can only speak from the point of view from an Asian male. Um, And it really sucks to grow up and watch cartoons or superhero movies. And all of the good guys... Like the heroes, the the person, the protagonist that everyone wants to be or to be with, mm-hmm. they're always white. And,
0: and then how how are Asian men portrayed?
1: They're portrayed as weak, like undesirable, like. I mean, there's there was never anyone. To look up to right. that was my own race other than my dad and honestly Bruce Lee
0: mm. I mean it goes all the way back to like Breakfast at Tiffany's where they had um the one character who was supposed to be Asian but really it was a white man and he had like I think they gave him prosthetic teeth and like he had this whole voice and it's highly highly offensive and I think that's like You know, that's one of the earlier, most popular classic films in Hollywood. And that's, you know, the portrayal of an Asian man. And from then on, it just, it got worse and worse in the media.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I understand that it's, it's a rare opportunity for Asian males to get into Hollywood, but... Sometimes you look at the roles that they take, and up until recently, with uh, like Crazy Rich Asians, it was like Ken Jeong, uh, who in The Hangover, mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, like he's he's the goofball that like mm-hmm. no one no one likes, no one wants to be around. Like he's very undesired. His character is very undesired."
0: Yeah. Um... I mean, even now in a lot of popular TV shows where, like, obviously in Hollywood, diversity is, like, such a huge conversation. um, Even now, I still feel like there's just a gaping hole and lack of representation.
1: Yeah, I think um, it would be great for young Asian boys to grow up and be able to see a predominant Asian male on screen Mm -hmm. and be able to look up to them and think of them as a role model Mm -hmm. as a hero someone that they can really look up to
0: love interest yeah how do you feel like that might have affected you as far as when it came to dating because You were pretty shy in high school around dating.
1: I... I never felt attractive to anyone, and especially being in a predominantly white culture. um, I never felt like I was good enough.
0: And to all my listeners right now, I know you can't seek him. He's a very, very handsome man. So that's just insane. But I mean, I'm sure that that was your feeling. I'm not invalidating your feeling. I'm just saying you're a very handsome man.
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah, no, it was very much um, a feeling of being seen as beneath everyone else, um, undesirable, like, and that no one really, um, found me attractive or, you know, wanted to do anything with an Asian male. Um, and I guess in retrospect, people told me, like, Oh, like, did you know, like, people thought you were really attractive in high school. I was like, what? Like, I I had no idea. Because... Yeah,
0: you've been known for being clueless when it comes to. <laughs>
1: okay, well, yes, I am clueless, but.
0: When it comes to the ladies.
1: Well, I don't know. There's just maybe, you know, maybe I, I fed into that and because mm. I felt so undesirable that I just acted in that way. And I almost like like spoke it into existence.
0: Right. Right. And then how, when did your confidence change? Cause I think now you're able to see that you are like so worthy and so, um, like beautiful not just on the inside but also on the outside?
1: <laughs> well, you know, they that joke that's like, you know, the best the best boyfriend or girlfriend is the one that was uh ugly growing up so that, you know, they're a good person and then they had a glow up and are now good looking. Um, but I don't know, I I guess what was it? junior year of high school, I lost a bunch of weight and got in really good shape. And I started feeling better about myself a little bit, but I think a big driving point for that was so that I could feel closer to on par with my Mm -hmm. white counterparts and feel like, you know, maybe I'm not white, but I'm in really good shape.
0: Mm. Um, does that still drive you to this day to keep your abs like chicken nugget like like they pop out like they're an individual chicken nugget
1: yes (laughs) Um, yeah it does still drive me um, because it's just a constant feeling of needing to feel like I can compete like, I'm even in the same race, the race of life, not...
0: The human race. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, but you know what I mean? Mm. It's I don't know, probably not the healthiest, but...
0: That's the reality of it because of all the the compounding trauma over time and the harmful jokes. So if you could really just have all of the courage that you wish you had as a, as a kid when those harmful jokes were being said or even now, if you, you know, it's easier to just not say anything when people laugh, what would you say to your friends, or what would you wish some, okay, wait, let me, let me re this. If you could say something, what would you say? And then my other question is, wouldn't it just be easier if, (laughs) first of all, don't make those jokes, but like, If someone is going to make those jokes, it'd be nice to have an ally by you defending you so you wouldn't have to defend yourself, right?
1: Yeah. What would be the
0: ultimate, like, way to combat those jokes.
1: I don't know about anyone else, but for me and, um... the way that I feel about it is that I wish that I didn't have to say anything and maybe that's I think some of it comes from Asian culture like you, you never want to ask for something and look like you're begging or being weak um, But so like I don't want to ask for anything I think my my biggest thing would be I wish that someone who loved me would speak up and say, like, hey, like, those kind of jokes aren't funny. Like, you should stop saying those things.
0: Um, Yeah, you've done
1: that. You've done that for sure. Um, And
0: like, ding, ding, ding. um, I will be an ally and I will shut things down.
1: Thank you and that means a lot I think feeling that that makes me feel seen Mm -hmm. and heard and not like you know in order to not be mistreated I have to say something like it's nice to feel like someone is looking out for me yeah
0: but then I don't want to sound like I have a white savior complex like I don't want to be like i'll help you i'll save you i'll fight the jokes like i i don't know how to say that without coming off as like totally white savior complex you know what i mean like maybe it's not white savior but it's like white people doing the work to hold other white people accountable
1: i don't know i think as asians like even my friends and i like are kind of conditioned to just roll with it roll with the jokes don't really say anything um and you know in order to have change I guess yeah we have to speak up mm-hmm. um, cause but we... if I, I don't know I think that if you are not a person of color and someone that you love and that loves you asks you to do something for them so that they don't have to feel uncomfortable asking to not be bullied I don't think that comes from a place of white savior I think mm-hmm. that just comes out of being a good a good person, person good yeah.
0: friend okay so how has your experience been in in within an interracial relationship
1: yeah I think something that's interesting is the asian male white female oh. comments that we get um because yeah. it's a it's not a common relationship that you see um
0: but it's becoming more and more common
1: right um and i've had conversations with my parents and actually they had no idea about this but you know they're have been a lot of studies that show the how attractive a race is mm-hmm. to the opposite sex mm-hmm. and in both pillars um, white males and females were seen as the most attractive um, interestingly the Asian females were pretty high on that pillar um, because of the Uh, the fact that they've been fetishized Mm -hmm. for so long Mm -hmm. Um, and Asian males were at the very bottom of the pillar and yeah I mean it's literally backed by by data like it it sucks to see that and to feel like you are not attractive to anyone Mm
0: mm-hmm well, it's it's very interesting. We'll get comments from a lot of like Asian male viewers, and they'll say stuff like, "Oh my gosh, you made it! Like amazing! Like you're an inspiration to us." And to that, I have to say, what what did he win? Like, uh, I'm sorry, but there is not like I am no higher than than he is. We are completely equal, and he did not win by by, like, earning my love, he, I mean, we, we're both winners in this situation, but it's very weird to call out just one of us because of our race, that one of us would be winning to be with the other. And that's a narrative that I very much don't want to be a part of and in perpetuating that, that an Asian man would be lucky to be with a white woman. That is not what we stand for. And what I stand for and I'm very, very lucky to be with Cam and I recognize that every day. Period.
1: I guess circling back to the hate crimes that have been Mm -hmm. happening. It is really, really sad what's going on and you know, some people including myself like I kind of Brushed it off at first. Um, But, you know, it hit me yesterday that Mm -hmm. this situation is really, truly horrible. And it's scary to think that, you know, my parents, my grandparents, my brother, my friends, that they're in danger because of the way that they look
0: yeah that's that's really scary
1: and that's literally people's lives at risk um it's no longer just jokes and Mm -hmm. like weird like sounds from Mm -hmm. like people calling you ching chong like it's no longer that Mm -hmm. it's been escalated and it's not okay Mm -hmm. and i would Say that the best thing for people to do if you're not in the, um, Asian community is to reach out to your Asian friends, um, coworkers, whoever, and it doesn't have to be much, but just say like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, everything's okay and I'm here if you would like to talk because some people don't want to talk about it but giving them the space to either accept and talk about it or decline and not talk about it uh is something that is helpful to hear
0: yeah and um you know if you are a friend and you Realize that you maybe have made a joke in the past that was could have been harmful. Maybe was harmful. You don't know if it was harmful or not. You you're probably just gonna want to apologize. Go ahead and apologize for that one. Own it and say, moving forward, I'm not going to you know make these jokes, and I'm not going to stand by if I see these jokes happening, and. You know, I mean, I don't know what to do as as far as, like, the hate crimes. That's that's just so scary. But obviously, if you see something, report it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah. Got nothing.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Just reaching out is important. I know, Cam, you expressed how sweet it was to get a message or two and
1: um yeah,
0: yeah i'm mean, hoping you get more <laughs> you deserve all the messages <laughs> i sent you a message <laughs> you did. thank you and rounding out the podcast i just want to say thank you guys for listening and hearing cam's personal story and his personal opinions and um Maybe you related, and it felt good, and you felt seen, or maybe you learned something new. Either way, um, you know, I think this was a really productive conversation. So next week, we're probably going to be a little more comedic, and I love you guys. Love, oh dearie, dearie me.